Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. We're going to talk today uh, about justice and mercy and forgiveness. And it kind of fascinates me. It doesn't kind of. It does fascinate me because those words are thrown around a lot on the outside. Uh, people frequently use, especially justice, in conversation. They ask for justice for this person or justice for this cause. But it's not necessarily what the scriptures call us to. Uh, and believe it or not, over 2,600 years ago, long before the birth of Christ, the prophet Micah had a very specific answer to the question of what is justice, mercy, and humility. And so, join me in prayer. Holy God, open our eyes, our hearts, that we might see the world as you see it, that we might see the pain, the suffering, the oppression in those around us. Equip us, strengthen us, enable us as instruments of your peace. The scripture today comes from Micah, chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to love just, to do justice, to love kindness, and walk humbly with your God? The word of God for the people of God. Now, I got to tell you, I am fascinated by this because when you think about what we're taught, what we're told, what we're about, we're told worship is the big thing. And then, depending on where you grow up, you might have been told also that offering is, is what's central. But here, we're being told something very, very different. Here, we're told something about relationship. And that turns the whole Old Testament on its head in some ways, because if you think back, you look at Leviticus, you look at other parts of the Old Testament, we are told that in great detail about the temple, how it is to be built. We're told in great detail about the offering and what to bring and who should bring it and how the priests are to deal with it. And none of that's here. Worship is and remains important. Uh, the offering is important. But our role, our lives as believers in a risen Christ are also about relationship. Not just with the people who are like us, not just the people who sound like us, not the people we like, but everybody, each and every one of them. 
So this is really important now, today. We know God commands it. Micah's pretty clear when he tells us what the Lord requires of you. But how do the words from 2,600 years ago matter now? The problem is, or the challenge is, is that the world tells us that you, that I am number one. That's what we're told. You take care of you. Take care of number one. You're the most important part. You and, and your family. And then the rest of the world. Maybe. Sort of, kind of. On certain days. But Micah's telling us something radically different. Micah is telling us that we have a role to play with the people outside of these walls. And inside these walls, people that are in pain, people that are hurting, people that are oppressed, people that are suffering. And so what's going on here? Well, if you look back in the history, scholars believe Micah is prophesizing, prophesying between the period of 742 to 6. 96 B.C. Write that down, Bart. There'll be a question uh, next week in staff call. We also know that Micah has a contemporary, is a contemporary of the prophets of Isaiah, Amos, and Hosea. And uh, the, Jeremiah shows up on the scene about 30, 40 years after Micah. But more importantly, we, we know is this is a terrible time to live in the two nations of Israel. The northern kingdom is conquered in 722 by the Assyrians. And the southern kingdom, they get a pass because they buy off the Assyrians. They strip the temple bare of all the gold. They uh, take everything out of the treasury and they offer it up to the Assyrians to uh, leave them be. And that works for a short period of time, but not much longer. And also we look at it, and what we find out is that this is a terrible time where the people are oppressed. So it's not a good time to be an Israelite. It's not a good time for Micah. But Micah's clear. This is about justice and mercy and humility for all. And to put it simply what we're told is this is about relationship. Relationship with our God and relationship with others. And I would offer to you that we can't be in right relationship with God unless we are in relationship with others. Jesus tells us that. Jesus tells us to leave our offering and go make peace with the people we're in conflict with, then come back. And Micah is telling us the same thing. Now, this is different than what you read in much of the Old Testament. It's different than what we read in the newspapers or in social media today. But we are called to be in relationship. And our relationship with God is linked to our relationship with others. The people we don't know and the people we know. The people we like and don't like. The people who vote like us and don't vote like us. The people who look like us and the people who don't look like us. The people who don't sound like us and the people who do sound like us. 
if you listen to the words of the scripture of what Mike is telling us, there's no everybody but. There's no qualifiers. This isn't unique. 600 years after Micah, Jesus tells the same thing. Now, I want you to be careful here. Don't leave here with the thought that uh, worship is important, giving isn't important. It is. It's critical. But for us, as disciples of a risen Christ, our starting point is relationship. Now, the word justice gets thrown around a lot, at least for me. I see it uh, in the news. I see it in social media. But the key here is, is that earthly justice is not necessarily like scriptural justice, not what Micah is calling us to, not what Jesus calls us to. When I listen, when I see, when I read about justice, frequently I am told it's about punishment. We want some pound of flesh. We want somebody taken. We want retribution. That is not what uh, we're called to here. What Micah and God is calling us to is a different kind of justice. Here's how John Wesley describes it. To be equal to all and oppress none in body, goods, or name in all your dealings with men. And again, what's interesting here, just like the scripture, if you listen to Wesley, equal to all. There's no exclusion. Nobody gets left behind. And so this isn't about man's justice. It's not about retribution or revenge or punishment. It's not about people we like or we're comfortable with. It's about all. Now, each of us probably have a group, some people, some individuals that we're not comfortable with, that we don't want to be a part of. Those people are not worthy of my time. Or those people, maybe not even worthy of God's time. But that's not what we're called to. There are no those people here. I've been doing prison ministry for about 20 years, a little over 20 years. And when Mary Alice and I started doing this, uh, it was a battle. Because both of us went in unwillingly. Uh, we were in Northern Virginia, we had jobs, we were doing about 50 hours a week, you got commute time, you got church, and pretty soon the whole weekend is, or week is full. And it's easy to discard the calling of Micah. Now I knew I was not supposed to be there, I was sure of it, <clears throat> absolutely positive, uh, because I got too many other things going on. But our worship leader at uh, that church at the time was persistent to the point of annoying. And finally I, I said yes, but I, only to make him go away. Because all this time I've been sending the memo up to God saying, I am not the dude, I am not the man for this, and these people are not deserving of my time. And I knew, I knew about these people because in 1975, I graduated from the Detroit Police Academy. I had met some of these people years before. I knew about them, all about them. 
And I sent that memo in over and over again. It never apparently was read by God because I, he kept after me, not just because the worship leader pestered me because I couldn't get it off my heart. And so when I went in, they drug me in. And, and I'm pretty sure if you go into the detention center in Fairfax County, there are big, big grooves in the concrete where my heels were dug in, not just the first time, but for probably a year because I wasn't supposed to be there. I know about these people. I'm not the right guy. But I was all wrong because I actually was the guy, whether I wanted to be it or not. And what I found was something radically different because I found on the inside I didn't know these people. I didn't know anything. Didn't know anything. I had seen them. I had talked to them. I didn't know their lives. I didn't know what the burdens they had, the pain, the suffering, what had gone right, what had gone wrong. I didn't know about them or their families or anything. And I didn't realize, although I had been told, I didn't realize that they were God's people as well, every last one of them. I wasn't there to go in to convert them. I wasn't there to teach them. I wasn't even there to go in and preach for them. What I was there for is to show God's love to some people who didn't get a chance to see it very often. Doing God's justice requires us to get outside of our comfort zone. We're called and we tend to look at ourselves first. That's not what Micah's calling us to, not what God's calling us to. Much of our world encourages us to do this. You look at the television, you look at the newspapers, you look at social media, it is about you. What you need, what you need to buy, what we can do to make you happy. But we're called here to something different, to relationship with people of all kinds. We're called to relationship with God. And to do that, we have to change the way we look at the world and others. Now, we talk about justice, but mercy is a little different story because I hear the word justice thrown around a lot. I don't hear mercy much at all. But when I look at the world, I think much of our view is about punishment and vengeance and retribution. And I get that. I think that's our natural desire for many of us. Uh, when I have been wronged, I want some punishment. That's my first reaction. Not just some punish punishment, but I'm looking for some Old Testament, big time smiting. I mean, I'd like some fire and brimstone, please. I'm kind of like reading David's Psalms. I like that, you know? Take my enemies, carve them up into small pieces, throw them out, cast them over the desert. But that's the heart of David. At times, it's the heart of Doug. But that's not what we're called to. And even if we're not directly wrong, if we see something, but it doesn't directly affect us, 
our traditional reaction, our default action, is to say it's not my problem. It's not my battle. It's somebody else. It doesn't affect me. And Micah is telling us otherwise. Mercy requires us to change the way we look at the world, suspend judgment, and do something different. When I started doing prison ministry, uh, suspending judgment was one of the hardest things I had to do because, again, I had seen the results of these kind of crimes. And some of you are sitting there saying, yeah, it's all great, but uh, have you thought about you, Doug? You thought about when you go in what these people have done and the damage they've left and the people they've hurt? And yes, I have. And you say, well, you're not right. <laughs> Lots of people say you're not right. But the, the point is, is that we are called to do something different. To suspend judgment. And God's calling us to do that. Now, you might say, well, look at the people and what they've done. And I'd say I do. But it's not my job to judge them. It's not my job to police them. Now, I will tell you, there are plenty of people in the system that do that. And we are blessed to have them. There are federal officers and state troopers and deputy sheriffs and city and town uh, police officers. There are prosecutors and defense attorneys. There are judges all focused on judgment and justice. And I not only thank God for them, I know how miserable that job is. And that is the right word, miserable, that job is. It is a thankless, lowly paid, painful job. And I am thankful for those police officers and uh, attorneys and judges that labor in the system. But that's not my job. It's not our job. Justice, mercy, humility. And as if that isn't hard enough, Micah reminds us that God is calling us, in fact, he's commanding us to humility. To walk humbly with God. To remember who we are and what we've been forgiven for. Wesley tells us to keep a constant fellowship with God by humble and holy faith. This is a call to remember exactly who we are, to remember that I am not clean, that I am not worthy, that I am not righteous, that each one of us can do better, be better in our relationship with God and others. There is a, rela there is a realization here that I am a sinner. I know that's uncomfortable. That I have wronged others, that I have hurt others around me, that I have not been in God's will. And yet, despite all that, and here's the good news about it, I am forgiven. We are forgiven people. Amen. And our role is to come alongside people who have not seen that. To be in relationship. 
Now, I know that this is different than what you see outside. That our desires and plans are more important than others. And that's not what Micah tells us to. In fact, it's not even what Jesus tells us to. If you think about it in uh, Matthew 25, Jesus calls us to minister to the hungry, to the sick, to the imprisoned, to the stranger. We are called to open our eyes around to the people around us. If you think about it, Jesus ministers to the Samaritan woman. Jesus, a Jew, ministers to a non-Jew who is unclean. That's a pretty radical thought. We kind of bypass that frequently. But Jesus reaches out to her. Jesus reaches out to the centurion. And we think of it, wow, that's a great faith story. But Jesus heals the centurion's spirit when the centurion is not just a soldier. He is the instrument of control for the Jewish people. He has, he's one of the people with his foot on the neck of the people of Israel. And Jesus says, commends his faith. We are called to minister. We are called to be in relationship with all. To the ones that are like us and not like us. Jesus calls us, in fact, to be in relationship and treat these people as the son of God himself. Stop and think about that. That we are called to treat everyone as the son of God himself. If we're really about justice and mercy and humility, then this starts with you and me. Our first thought might be about action. We got to find something to do. We got to find a project. We got to go fix things. And although we might be wired that way, I would maintain that the first stop is to listen. To the marginalized, to the oppressed, to those in pain, it is about listening to others. Their life, their struggles, their hurt. And it's also about remembering that no matter what pain, what oppression we have endured, that there are others out there that have experienced incredible injustice as well. Now, some of you are going to tell me, oh, you're going political. Oh, no, please don't go there. This is not about politics. It's not about one side or the other. It doesn't, that's not the point. What this is about is people and our relationship with people and our relationship with God. It's about God's instruction for us. And it's about allowing the Holy Spirit to use us, to change us, to mold us. People are valuable to God. We read it in Genesis. In the beginning, God created us in his own image. We read in the book of John that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Think about that. God loved the world. Not part of the world, not some of the world, not the people in Crozet, not people in Crozet Methodist, but God loved the world. God loved the, loves the people who agree with me and the people who don't. I don't know why they don't agree with me, but they should, right? No. God loves the people that he created. 
people look like you and me and the people who don't. We're called to be a part of God's justice. And in today's world, that's very different than the rest. The rest of the world is angry. They tell you to show it. Make it stink about it. You see it. it it's out there. But we need to stop. And if we can stop, and stop looking for things that validate our preconceptions, if we can stop and start listening to the people with their stories and who they are and their pain and suffering in their lives, if we can suspend judgment and extend mercy, God will use that to change hearts. One of the people I've met inside a prison is a guy by the name of Melvin. And if you meet Melvin, uh, when you see him, he looks like something out of Hollywood. He looks like something out of Central Casting. He looks just like a prisoner. What a look. He's inked. He's got the tattoos. Uh, he a, wears a pair of uh, denim that are about nine sizes too big. All of us can fit in there with him. He's got them hanging off his butt. He's got a, his denim shirt is uh, buttoned at the top, open down to the bottom. He looks like a felon. He looks like he belongs in prison. And when you meet him, when he walks into the room, he's got presence. He's got swagger. He looks like a man not to be messed with, not to be trifled with. And you... That's your first thought. Don't fool with Melvin. But in fact, that's not Melvin. Because when you get to meet him, this is a man who's trying to become a better man of God. When you meet him, this is a man that Wesley would call going on to perfection. Now, when I first worked with Melvin, uh, he was helping us. He was working with us. He had already been through this program, Kairos uh, program, and he was a part of the team. And he came up to me on Sunday. We had been inside the facility, Augusta Correctional. We had been inside uh, for three days, and apparently I was looking a little rough because I was in desperate need of caffeine. Not that it affected me much. And be, this, the reason for this is the Commonwealth of Virginia does not serve coffee on the inside. They serve this kind of witch's brew, brown sludge that doesn't taste much of anything and has zero caffeine. Um, and that's pretty rough if you spend your life on caffeine. And I had been in uh, for three days, and we were going in in the morning, you get a cup of coffee before you go in the gate, and you get one uh, when we come back at the end, but nothing for the day. And so on Sunday, I was looking pretty rough, I guess, uh, and Melvin came up to me and he said, hey, Doug, you look like crap. And he put his hand on me, and in my world, if you're going hands-on, that's a bad message. That means something's going to happen. And I looked down at his arm, uh, his hand, and I said, hey, Melvin, I'm good, thank you but I, I, I can't accept that. He said, no, no, you, you, 
you look terrible. You need something. I said, no, I can't do it. He said, no. And he went over and he mixed me a cup of instant coffee. Now, you say, that's not really a big deal. I mean, it's a rinky-dink cup of coffee. But when you think about the background, it is a big deal because that is about a half a day's pay for Melvin. Melvin works. He gets about 30 to 40 cents an hour. And where he buys his coffee is a retail store called the Commissary Inside the Walls. And the, the prices are retail prices. In fact, you can get a lot better deal not only at Costco, you can get a better deal at Harris Teeter. The prices are not cheap. And so for what you and me might say is, well, thanks for the coffee. No big deal, but thank you. For him, that's a really big deal. Because that's something he gave me because he understood about justice and mercy. And the reason I know he understood about justice and mercy later in the day after everybody was gone and we were tearing things down and finishing up for the week, Melvin said, I know who you are. I got a name tag, it says Doug. He said, no man, I know who you are. You're a cop. I said, no, not for a long time. He said, okay, you were a cop. And I went back, you know, I went in off the gym and went into the men's room and I looked in the mirror. It's like, you've written on my forehead? All his preconceptions, all his ideas, he dumped at the door. I didn't even know him except to say hi. They got nothing going on there. And it's not because he was going to buy me off. He's not going to get a letter from me. I'm not gonna, he's not going to get better, less time. He's not going to get a better cellmate. He's not going to get anything from that. That's just God working through him. That is justice and mercy. Everything I knew about those people was wrong. Everything I knew about Melvin was wrong. Justice, mercy, humility. It's not about the people we know. It's not about the people we like. God requires you and me to act justly and show mercy to everyone we see. You can come in. We're cool. I like that enthusiasm. This is about ministry to people who are not like me. People that don't sound like me. People that make, make me uncomfortable. People who don't vote the same way I do. People that make me angry. Justice and mercy where we place others' needs before ours. The world tells us otherwise, but if we are truly followers of Christ, then we need to be about all people. Not just stand on the sidelines and cheer them on, but to be in a relationship. It is what God calls us to do. And when we allow God to change us and to change our hearts, lives can be changed. And you and I can be a part of that.
And that's pretty amazing. Let it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.